0: Thank you. any harder take it in for the to the up. brought to you from Los Angeles California. California you are listening to the high voltage talk show, voltage talk show. featuring Mike on the, the my welcome to the high voltage talk show I am your host Mike on the mic back here again this week with another episode of the high voltage talk show last week i know i just went on a rant complained about the chargers for about 30 minutes this week we're gonna go back to the structured show we're going to review the raiders game all the goods and the bads of what happened in the game we're gonna talk about a topic this week's topic is called mail bag Topic. Whatever you want to call it, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer some questions. I took a poll over on my Instagram page, brought in some questions. I'm going to answer them on the episode. I'm gonna open them, react to them all live on the episode. The same time that I'm recording, so that'll be fun, and then I'm gonna close the show out with previewing this Miami Dolphins game. This is gonna be a fun one. I think the Chargers have a serious chance in this game, but we're gonna to get to that and much more in this episode. So stick around, Bull fam. Let's get into the first topic and review this Raiders debacle. I hate the Raiders. I'll have a blue Christmas. Without you, I'll be so blue just thinking about you. So, Raiders' week has come and gone, and the Chargers lost to the Raiders this week in devastating fashion. You guys all know exactly what I'm talking about, and before I dive into the goods and bads of this game, gotta give you this week's edition of Herbert Watch, doing this every week, keeping track of our rookie quarterbacks' performances week in, week out, how he's doing, and how his stats are looking compared to the other rookies and quarterbacks in the NFL. Looking at Herbert's game this week, he completed at a 66% completion percentage, 326 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. 105.9 QBR, another sensational performance by our sensational rookie quarterback. Man, we got so lucky drafting this guy. We got so lucky this guy slid to us at that spot to take that pick. When you look at his characteristics, being 6'6", long legs, long arms, extreme throw power, he looks like a first overall pick. He feels like a first overall pick. But because Burrow and Tua were in this draft class, he slid to us. Very lucky. Very lucky. Dude's on his way to winning Offensive Rookie of the Year in a landslide, in my opinion. A lot of people will argue with me that Joe Burrow deserves it. But look, man, Joe Burrow is having a great year. But when you've played one more or two more games than this kid, and he's beaten you in every statistical category, you cannot tell me that Joe Burrow is going to win that award over Justin Herbert. They're going to have similar records as far as their team. They're going to they have similar seasons as far as success wins-wise. So you come down to the stats, and Justin Herbert is going to have five, six, seven, eight, maybe even eight or nine more touchdowns. Justin Herbert's going to be right around the same with yards, maybe more yards. And Justin Herbert is going to have less interceptions. He's going to have a higher completion percentage, higher QBR, higher passer rating, higher all everything than Burrow at the end of the season, unless Burrow completely goes off and has a Patrick Mahomes like second half of the season. He's going to do all this in one less game than Burrow as well, and with much less time to prepare to be the starting quarterback of this team than Burrow had as well. Very impressive. Every week this kid gives me chills cuz just just to see the zero interceptions, right? I expected with him as the quarterback for him to throw 10, 15, maybe even 17 interceptions this year once they said that he was taking over cuz of the Tyrod Taylor injury. But man, He's thrown five this year, two of which came last week, both big mistakes, but for the most part, all of the interceptions are within a couple games. He's playing really clean football. Very impressive. Very impressive by Justin Herbert. That's this week's edition of, of Herbert Watch. Here's the season stats before I move on to the Raiders game. 67.3 completion percentage on the season, 2,146 yards, kids on track for 4K, 17 touchdowns, Kids on track for 30 touchdowns or more, five interceptions, and 104 QBR. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Very impressed by Justin Herbert to this point in the season. It's going to continue. You're going to hear me praise him again next week. I'm going to praise him every week because he's going to keep doing this. I don't see him slowing down. It's not a coincidence anymore. It's not an accident anymore. Moving on to the Raiders review. Let's look at the bads first like starting off with bad news and go on to the good news after that. The defense was horrid without Bosa. As we expected him to be. Derek Carr looked amazing in this game. We made him look like he's some kind of superhuman quarterback. We need Chris Harris Jr. back. We really need Chris Harris Jr. back. Especially losing Desmond King. It showed in this game. We couldn't stop them through the air. And usually the run game is our struggle. So, I mean, the Raiders got out to a very big lead on us. I believe it was two touchdowns. Because our defense is piss poor. Yeah, We'll just be honest. Our defense is bad now. With all the injuries, and all the problems we've had on defense, play calling, all of that's taken into account. You have a stacked roster that is playing terrible at this point in the season. We'll see as Chris Harris Jr. gets back. Maybe we're going to get Drew Tranquil back. We don't know yet. I wouldn't rush him back if we're 2-6 and six either. Maybe we're going to get guys like Nick Vigil to, to play a bigger role. But for now, this defense is pretty bad. Without Bosa, we're basically one of the worst defenses. With Bosa, thank God... He can make it manageable. He changes the entire game, just being able to pass rush the quarterback, and, and it frees up Melvin Ingram to pass rush the quarterback. He changes the game completely. Joey Bosa does. We can see a bit more of Hunter Henry. That's a bad for me. I haven't seen him very much the last couple weeks. I don't know if it's his connection with Herbert or what it is, but Hunter Henry is a very solid tight end, and I know we're going to Keenan Allen a lot. Um, defenses are going to start honing in on that, and I expect to see something like uh, uh, maybe double coverage or, or coverage over the top of Keenan Allen. This week against the Dolphins, so Herbert better be ready for that, and better be ready to check it down to Hunter Henry instead. Hunter Henry's a very good third down target as well. Poor clock management at the end of the game, definitely a bad. We should have had at least thirty seconds left when we were taking, you know, the last two snaps of the game to throw it up for 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 grabs for the win. Just save that timeout, Anthony. I don't understand why you waited fifteen seconds and then called the timeout. Why didn't you just save it? Just another boneheaded mistake that NFL coaches should not be making. Straight up. Also, another thing we need to address is you cannot drop a punt in the fourth quarter, especially in a close game, and expect to win it. I sincerely don't think that Desmond King would have muffed that punt. I'm just going to say it. just going to put it out into the world. Sixth round pick already cost us one win, so we'll see if it costs us any more wins. I really feel like we win this game minus that dropped punt. It killed some more clock and gave the Raiders another three points to seal it. Back to the loser mindset, and this is something I've talked about throughout all these episodes pretty much since I started doing this. Since I started doing this, we are one in five or something crazy, so every week is just me complaining about the Chargers at this point. It's a similar narrative, too. It's really, 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 really hard to stick with, but I'm going to stick with it for the Bull fam. I know we exist. No matter what anyone says, I know we exist. I'm coming to YouTube soon, actually, so get ready for that Uh, once i got my own place and everything right now. We're in between places, me and my family. But anyways, back to the loser mindset. We cannot win close games, and we're not going to win close games until there's some kind of switch switched in every single player and every single coach and every single part of this organization from a loser to a winner. And that's the thing that guys like Mike Tomlin, guys like Bill Belichick, guys like Sean Payton, no matter how depleted the roster gets, no matter what injuries they suffer, look at Drew Brees – went out for a lot of the season last year, and Teddy Bridgewater came in like nothing happened. It's the winner's mindset that these coaches and these organizations have that the Chargers just simply don't have. And it's going to keep happening over and over again every single season if we don't flip the script somehow. And the way you flip the script is go ahead and hire a coach that has already proven to have a winner's mentality, has already proven that he can bring that to this team. We're in a danger zone right now. We have a very small window where our roster is very good with a young quarterback who doesn't take a lot of cap. This window is the window for the Chargers to turn it around. So it's time to move on. Get the guy that's going to do that for us at the coaching position. I believe in Tom Telesco. I don't want to see him go. I just want to see some kind of major change from the coaching staff down to kind of push us towards being more of a winner's mentality team. This is something that cost Bill Brewers a Hall of Fame bid, maybe. We'll see. I think he makes Hall of Fame, but I'm biased. A lot of people tell me he's probably not going to make it in, and the reason is is because he was on the Chargers, that loser's mentality, for 17 years. So it sucks for him. It sucks. Also, last thing, last bat I want to mention, uh, Mike Badgley. Love that guy as a person. I listen to his podcast all the time. I can, I, I can Mike, I believe it is what it's called. If you guys want to go check it out, him and Isaac Rochelle have a podcast together. But time's running out, man. And if, if you ever listen to my show, I do not know if you will. I know that we're both upstart podcasts. So you got the name. I don't have the name quite yet. Time's running out. Got to figure something out here as far as kicking the ball through the uprights. Um, I loved Badger the last couple of seasons. I feel like he saved the kicking game. But here we are. We're going back down the road that we were with. Other guys, you know, with young Hoku, Josh Lambeau, that Rose kid, I forget his first name, just a couple of kickers that we went through and just couldn't figure it out, couldn't win a game because we couldn't kick a field goal, um, and and Badgley's starting to go down that path, I hope he can fix it, um, I've seen breakdowns of what's going wrong, I guess he's just pulling his leg too much, so he's just gotta get it out of his head that he needs to pull his leg as much as he uh, is, I'm not a kicking expert, I know the basics, um, and watching that video kind of cleared it up for me. What's going on? What, why, why the sudden change in Mike Badgley's performance? I think that he can definitely turn it around still, especially at this midpoint in the season. I thought maybe the bye week would have done it for him, but we saw this last week. Missed a field goal, and I think the field goal probably cost us the game. So it not really cost us the game. The muff punt, the field goal, and, and other things. But when you look at the scoreboard, having that field goal changes everything. So we can kick a field goal win. We don't have to throw up bombs from the 10-yard line. We can just kick a field goal from the 10-yard line if we had confidence to do it in the first place. All right, let's talk about some goods, enough being negative. That was a pretty long list of bads. I got a nice little list of goods, too. There was a lot of good that came from this Raiders game despite the heartbreaking loss. We were better against the run this week. I expected Josh Jacobs to absolutely run all over us, and we were way better against the run this week. Kellen Balazs' breakout, where did that come from? Did anyone see that coming? Because I definitely didn't. I think the O line played much better in this game than we're used to seeing, especially uh, on in the ground game. And they were better in pass protection when it mattered. They were better in pass protection in the fourth quarter. A lot of times by then, the teams look s- uh, super slow. They look tired. Justin Herbert is running for his life every play for the last two quarters of the game. The O line played a lot better in that second half. We did give up a few sacks early, but for the most part, the O line did a lot better this game, both in the ground game and in the pass protection. Game. We saw some young players show some serious heart and some potential to stay in this game. If you look at it, we were down by two possessions. And to fight back into it and have a chance to win this game, have a very good chance to win this game at that, very proud, very good to see guys like Josh Kelly, guys like Kenneth Murray, guys like Nasir Adderley, guys like Justin Herbert, guys like Ken- Kellen Balage, guys like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the young players on this team. That stepped up. They didn't just roll over and accept defeat in this game. Late into the third quarter, down two positions. Crawled back in. Got some good stops on defense that I didn't expect to happen because we couldn't stop them basically the first three quarters at all. I thought this was heading towards a 40-28 to final or something like that, but the the young players stepped up in this game. So that was very impressive. Very proud of them. Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen is unstoppable. and I'm going to talk about this more when I talk about the Dolphins game coming up, but I don't think... Anyone can stop these two, unless you double or triple Keenan Allen up. And even then, he's such a good route runner, he might get open. So just to see that on third down, especially we're seeing Herbert really connect with Keenan Allen. And it's really beautiful to see because we're going to have Keenan Allen for three or four more years. We're going to have Herbert for hopefully 20 more years. So it's good to see this connection. It'll be good for Herbert at the beginning of his career to have this security blanket receiver in Keenan Allen on the field all the time. Very awesome to see those two growing together and building their connection, much like Keenan had with Philip Rivers. Maybe even has more with Herbert right now. It's pretty insane. We're seeing Allen get eight to ten catches a game, and you know eleven to fifteen targets a game, which is very, very impressive even for Keenan Allen standards. The play calling on offense in this game was much better. I will say it. We were more unique. We were more creative. Smarter. I saw a toss play called. I was so happy when I saw that because I'm sitting here looking at the TV, like, okay, we're in a situation here. I believe it was third and goal, third and goal from the two or three yard line, and I'm like, they're lined up in a formation where everyone and their mothers knows that it's going to be a straight dive, trying to power into the end zone. So why don't we throw a toss play at this at this moment in the in the game? It's third and two. If if it doesn't work out, you just kick the field goal. You're gonna kick the field goal if you run the dive and it doesn't work out. And sure enough, they call toss, touchdown, Kellen Balage. I loved it. I loved that play called out. That, that, that was a very underrated play call to me. I don't know if anyone really even noticed it or anyone had similar thoughts to me. Like, please don't just give it to Joshua Kelly and let him get stopped for a negative one-yard rush on third and goal here. Um, either throw it, play action with, with Herbert, get him on the move, bootleg. I know he can get in if he needs to with the ground. Or throw a toss play out there. And, and sure enough, they did, and sure enough, it worked. Touchdown, Chargers right after that play call. so and, and there was more instances like that. That was just the one that stood out to me the most. Uh, just a little different, a little tweak from what we've seen so far this season. A little bit of improvement play calling-wise on offense, defensively, same stuff. I don't know. And it's hard to fault. Without Joey Bosa, you can't call the same defensive plays that you're planning on because you have to send some other guys. You cannot just expect uh, the D-line to get as much pressure as they do when Joey Bosa is on the field. For those of you that were demanding that Keenan gets the ball on that last play of the game, the last two plays of the game, just understand that the plays that were called, the jump balls to Mike Williams and Donald Parham Jr., they worked technically. They technically worked. Mike Williams caught the ball, came down to the ground, and was knocked out by the floor, which caused him to drop it. I mean, he caught it. He came down with the ball. It worked. He just got unlucky. Hit the ground the certain way that he did, and it caused him to drop the ball. Donald Parham Jr. caught the ball, came all the way down to the ground, and the ground forced the ball out of his hands. Just the way he came down awkwardly, ball kind of rolled out of his hands and barely touched the floor, causing it to be an incompletion. Both of those plays and the play call worked to exactly how you wanted it to work. The bigger guy caught the ball, just didn't hold the ball all the way through the catch to the ground, so as far as the play calling goes, I know everyone and their mothers, they probably put three people on Keenan Allen on that play. And you saw the formation they came out in. It was like kind of a weird screen, like it was going to go to Keenan Allen on a screen. And that was just to get one-on-one with Parham Jr. But seeing that just reassures me that they were all going to focus on Keenan Allen, the fact they left a the 6-8 tight end one-on-one with the defensive back. They took the chances over there more than they would with Keenan Allen on the other side of the field, and linebackers, linemen, everyone that was over there. They'd rather give the one-on-ones to Donald Parham <laughs> than put a bigger safety over there. They, they used their best defenders over there on Keenan. So, hey, it didn't work out. It didn't work out just because of the way these guys came down with the ball to the ground. But for the most part, I liked that play call more than most would. Um, I wish we had Mike. I would also have maybe thrown it at Hunter Henry, uh, I would have lined up in that screen formation again, making everyone think it's going to Keenan Allen and maybe have Hunter Henry go across the back of the end zone and possibly catch that game-winning touchdown. But Other than that, that's probably what I would have done also. I would have thrown it up to our biggest guy, especially when you have two chances at it. So the first time with Mike Williams, definitely understand that one. Um, and, and Herbert threw good balls on both of those those tosses. they were right where you want them, where only the receiver could get the ball. The defender had his back turned perfect throws just didn't hold on to the ball through the catch that's all it was i don't hate the calls i know a lot of you do and i understand why you would because you're frustrated with losing i'm also frustrated with losing when it doesn't work it's easy to say that was a terrible play call and and there's been times where there has been terrible play calls when we've lost but in this situation i think i like play call i'm okay with it if it would have worked we would all been fine with it so i think i think it was okay one more good I want to highlight. There's no turnovers this week other than that muffed punt. It's something we got to keep doing. And if we do this against the Dolphins, I think we'll be fine. That's about it for for the Raiders review. Let me know how you guys think on the Chargers universe, Chargers page, Chargers talk show page, Chargers fan page that I run. Go ahead and message me if you want. Let me know. Uh, very rarely does anyone message me about the actual show. I get messages about the posts I put out. So it'd be really cool if you guys. Just give me a little feedback to to what I'm saying in the actual show. I'd appreciate it. Let's move on to the next topic, and that is the mailbag topic. For the first time ever, I'm going to answer some questions. Let's go. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. First time ever for everything, right? And this is the first time I'm going to have a mailbag episode for all of you to enjoy uh, basically I just uh, put a poll on my instagram story so go ahead over to at chargers universe if you're not following on instagram for interactions with me i go live at halftime every week on that page and i bring people on i bring chargers fans high voltage talk show listeners on the live stream with me and we talk about what's going on in the game so far at half and how we're going to recover and win the second half of the game so Here we go. Here's the results of the mail opening up on my phone right now. All right, first question. When do you think Austin Eckler will be back? It's a tough question because I have no idea where he's at in his healing. I really don't. I've seen that it's been good and that he could be back as soon as week 12. But I also know it's a hamstring. And playing football and being around football my whole life pretty much, I know how hard it is to come back from a hamstring injury so it could be longer than that anytime there's a hamstring injury I go ahead especially even in fantasy football whatever it might be I go ahead and I just assume that it's going to be a a two or three weeks longer than the expected recovery time so I put this looking at week 14 15 16 and really we don't need to rush him back if we're not competitive for a playoff spot if anything don't bring him back at all And we'll get a higher draft pick because of it. Because I think with Austin Eckler, we win some of these close games. With Darwin James, we win some of these close games. We had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen for a lot of these games. We win some of these close games. Um, Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, we win some of these close games. Like all these injuries, Chris Harris Jr. All these injuries are Drew Tranquil. All these injuries are killing us in these close games because those are our playmakers. Those are the guys that ice the game out. Those are the guys that make the play when it's all on the line. Imagine having Austin Eckler. And you have a couple shots at the end zone. The defense has to account for Austin Eckler. You can't just let the guy be free because he'll score on a draw. That's how good he is. So, yeah, I'm looking at week 14, 15, 16, um, possibly for him returning. Maybe he can just play one or two more games this year, three more games at the most. If we're not competitive, there's no reason to rush him back. If we go on a win streak and we're close to 500, say we can get it back to 5-6. and six. Uh, And looking at maybe Austin Eckler coming back in week 12 or 13, I would be very happy about it, but I'm not going to be sitting here banking on it happening where he's going to be back in Week 12 uh, like the, the, the prediction is right now. I think realistically we're looking at 14, 15, 16, maybe even 17 for Austin Eckler just because hamstrings are are tough, naggy injury to recover from. And you don't want to come back unless you're full strength. Otherwise, you'll just re-blow it up again and just be back down to the bench where you were. Do you think we need more depth at wide receiver? No, I don't think we need it. I wouldn't have hated if we would have went and got John Ross. I wouldn't hate if we got Josh Gordon. I wouldn't hate it just because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have been injury-prone in their career so far. So just having that, knowing we have someone that can step up and be a number two or number one receiver on the team, um, at least until those guys get back into action if they're ever injured, knock on wood, don't want to see it happen. But uh, I'm just realistic. I know it happens often. I wouldn't mind it too much. But with Mike healthy, Keenan healthy, Jalen Guyton is the perfect wide receiver three for a guy like Justin Herbert. He's a guy that stretches the field for guys like Keenan Allen to do those underneath routes. He's a guy that uh, demands someone to cover him. So it takes one away from maybe doubling up Mike Williams in these jump ball situations. Jalen Guyton, and every once in a while he busts one. So it's just like Jalen Guyton is perfect weapon for a wide receiver three on this team with the big arm of Herbert. He just adds that threat that teams have to be cautious of. And once we get Eckler back, we're going to be able to get the ground game rolling because of Jalen Guyton. And it's weird. It's a weird connection to make, Jalen Guyton, improving the ground game. But the fact those safeties have to back up a little bit because his speed, it, just perf- it fits perfect with our offense as far as having Austin Eckler out the backfield, having the big arm of Justin Herbert, having Keenan Allen as a security route runner. Jalen Guyton opens that all up by being able to press these safeties and corners deep and making sure that they are backed up so Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert can go to work underneath. And every once in a while, when they're sleeping, Jalen Guyton can pop one, a 60-yard touchdown pass. And we've seen that in the weeks leading up to this. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because I got the Colts-Titans game on in the background. I record this on Thursday nights. And Philip Rivers is yelling at the refs. I love Phil Rivers yelling at the refs. It's fun to watch. Anyways, move on to the next question. Are you planning on going to any games? Well, I live in Los Angeles. I don't live in any of the cities that are allowing fans to go to the game. So unless it's deemed safe, which is not looking like it's going to happen this year, I'm going to stay away from those games just because i got to protect my family, man. And I feel like going into the stands with 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 other fans, even if there's a few slots in between, I just know how sports events are, and even I would probably get caught up in the moment uh, of success or downfall um, and get too close to people. So I'm just going to stay away from games altogether, right? And I'm just going to stay away from going to games altogether just to be safe for my own family's sake. But I don't judge you if you do want to go to the games. Um, It's a fun time. If you're going with you and, you know, your two kids and you just stay away from everyone, I'm sure it's safe. It's just going to be real hard to do at a sporting event, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I'm not a medical expert. I'm not an expert on COVID or anything like that. That's just what I'm going to do to keep myself safe. If you feel like it's safe to go, go to the games. I don't know if they're going to open it up in California this year, though. Um, But if you're a Chargers fan outside of the state of California, there's a possibility you could go to a Chargers game. And someone actually wanted me to, uh, you know, a piggy bank pixie. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. Wanted to fly to Miami and go to this Miami Dolphins game this week. But I just said, nah, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm not going to be going to any games this year, I don't think. But next year, looking at the season tickets possibly for SoFi, it's going to be a price to climb. But if I start paying it off now or soon at least, I think it won't be too bad by the time the next season comes around. And with Herbert and everything that's going on, maybe we're going to get a new head coach. It might be the season. It might be a special season. So I definitely would like to do it next year if I can. But for this year, I'm not going to be going to any games. Last question from Mailbag. If you guys want to ask me more questions, I'm going to do this more often. So just go follow the Instagram page at ChargersUniverse. Why is Burrow worse than Herbert? I'm not going to say that Burrow is a worse quarterback than Herbert right now. The sample size is too small. I'm not going to make it. My dog. I'm not going to make a determination which one is better off of seven eight games right we're gonna to have to wait a couple years to really know which quarterback is consistently going to be better but my what I've been preaching is that Herbert is having a better rookie year than Herbert or than Burrow Herbert is having a better rookie year than Burrow that's all I've been preaching a lot of people disagree with me unless you're in this circle of people that are listening to this podcast um, but I think it's pretty pretty obvious who the better rookie quarterback is as of right now based off of just looking at the numbers um, but for his determining which quarterback to have a better career, which quarterbacks can be better over time, we got to wait for the time to pass. We can't make an establishment right now, right this second. Anyways, thanks for the questions. Quick little segment. Let's move on to the final topic and preview this Dolphins game. <laughs> we go a little preview of the Miami Dolphins game coming up for the Chargers man I just I feel a little bit better about this game than in the previous games um let's go over the injuries first for the Chargers Brian Belaga is questionable don't expect to see him play at this point I'm just betting both him and Trey Turner who is also questionable are not playing on a week-to-week basis just go ahead and put the over on that one because I just really don't think they're going to play they're, they're too beat up, man, and they need a whole season to rest. That's what it seems like. So yeah, It's ridiculous because we signed them this offseason, but maybe 2021 will be better for Bulaga and Turner. Those two guys are killing our offensive line, not having those two guys out there. Joey Bosa is questionable. Expect him to play. It was a concussion that held him out last week. By now, he should be fine, ready to go. Justin Jackson is also questionable. Expect him to play as well, seeing Kellen Balaj get moved back down to the practice squad. Dolphins. Kyle Van Noy is already listed as out. So that helps us out as far as our run game and our passes over the middle. Kyle Van Noy's a, a kind of a do-it-all linebacker. Matt Burita is questionable. Expect him to play. Christian Wilkes is out, another part of their middle of their defense. So maybe we're going to abuse the middle of the field this time. Maybe we can go after the middle of the field with the corners being pretty locked down on the outsides. Keys to this game, to winning this game. Most will look at the record of these two teams and lean towards the Dolphins immediately, say the Dolphins are probably going to win this one but there's room for the Chargers to steal this game. I feel very good about this game actually, which is weird coming off of what we've come off of what the last 5 weeks of football. First off, I want to highlight good defense versus a good ro- versus a good rookie quarterback. Good defense versus a rookie quarterback, the answer to this problem is Keenan, 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 Keenan Allen. Some wide receivers in this league, no matter who is covering them, they will eat. And Keenan Allen is one of those dogs. So I expect to see that. Still, this week, even with the solid secondary that the Dolphins have, Keenan Allen is going to be the go-to guy uh, when the rookie quarterback's in trouble, when Justin Herbert is in trouble, going to Keenan. That's the key to this game. Get the ball to Keenan. He's a safe bet. He's probably going to be open on most routes in one-on-one coverage. Moving on, we got the pass rush. That's a big key to this game to me because they have a rookie quarterback of their own in the game. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think our chances are actually lower of winning this game. Not that I think Tua is a bad quarterback, I just think Tua is more likely to make a mistake at this point in his career. With the Finns' defense being strong, we need to be ready to cause havoc on our own side of the defensive possessions. We need to cause havoc. On our defense as well for their offense to have to struggle with and try and fight through. Pass rush on this young quarterback is extremely important. And it can change the game with him making some mistakes. Hopefully throwing a pick or maybe a strip sack for Joey Bosa. We will see. Herbert has proven he can handle the pass rush. Let's see if Tua can. Send the house. Send the dogs. If he beats us. Bravo to him. I mean, simple as that. If he beats us when we send the pressure at him, bravo to him. But history shows rookie quarterbacks other than Justin Herbert can't really handle that much pressure. And they would rather have a clean pocket. And our pass rush can definitely damage it. That's why I think we have a good matchup to shut this Dolphins team down. Offensively, I'm not afraid of the Finns scoring in bunches, making huge plays, or running the score up like I was in previous weeks against our opponents. It's back to the basics this week for our defense. Tackling, really. Just make the tackles. Don't make dumb mistakes. I think we will be successful in slowing this offense down. I think we could shut them down, in my opinion, especially in that first half where we've tended to have been good uh, on defense all year. We might be able to shut them down to zero in that first half, which would be crazy. And its a cra- I'm not predicting it to happen. I'm just saying if we play good defense, we make tackles, if we don't let them get extra yards after the play or after the catch or after the run, we should be fine because this isn't one of those teams that's just going to dominate you offensively. And our defense isn't awful when Joey Bosa is out there on pass rush. I really think the Chargers are winning this game. I really do. It's all about just not making mistakes this week. Like I said, we very well could hold to Miami under 20 total points the entire game as long as we don't have any huge mistakes like muffed punts, interceptions, fumbles, dumb stuff like that, then we should be fine. Maybe they might get a, a one big play here, one big play there. But for the most part, they don't have these star players that are going to be able to do it all by themselves. So just don't give it to them, is what I'm saying. Don't hand them free points. Don't hand them free chances to get into the end zone and run the score up. And we should be fine because on the flip side, our offense has shown they can handle good defenses like Miami and still put up points against them. You cannot keep losing like this. It's going to break eventually, and this is the week I think we do it. The Dolphins have won on the backs of their defense and special teams all season. And if you look at the last couple weeks, they have four touchdowns produced by their defense and special teams. Something's got to break here because you can't keep up that pace of being that good on defense and special teams. And the Chargers cannot keep up this pace of being this bad at closing games. So something's got to break. I think the Chargers can close this game out and get the win. Anthony Lynn better be preaching to his entire locker room all week. Play a clean game, limit the mistakes, and we should win this one. The only way we're losing this one is if we hand it to him like we have in previous weeks. Uh, and I really hope that the Chargers can put it together and not hand the victory to our opponents. Miami is 5-3. and three. They're having a great year. Just I think we match up very well against them, and we're going to have a very good game against them this week. My prediction is the Chargers 31 Dolphins 21 I think this is the biggest margin I predicted for the Chargers to win but I've never gotten that prediction right so don't take too much take it with a grain of salt Uh, but that's that's what I think for this game this week that's the show this week thanks for tuning in everyone hopefully the Chargers can go out and get this W I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for this week. I really feel good about this week. I feel good about the Dolphins matchup. But I felt good before, so don't get too excited. I'm, not, I'm trying not to get too excited. Again, thanks for tuning in. Go check out the Instagram page at Chargers Universe. If you want more content from me, I am also the host of the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. Go check out the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. Mike on the Mic Sports Pod on Instagram. Mike on the Mic Sports on any of the platforms that you can find me. And there's links to episodes, links to content, links to everything. Uh, Also, I don't know if you've noticed, I've been putting out some reels, putting out some TikToks. Follow me on TikTok at MikeOnTheMikeSports. On on top of it, I now uh, am co-host of a sports debate show that is aired every Friday night at 5 p.m. called Friday Night Wars. Myself and Joe Moly Sports, a Raiders fan. Go at it. And we need your support to take down the Raiders fan. (laughs) Right now... He's beaten me two games to one, pretty much. We keep score who's winning each week. So please show up in numbers for me, uh, Mike on the mic squad, as I like to call you guys. But for you guys, it's just the Bolt family, Chargers Universe, high-voltage talk show. Thanks for tuning in. Bolt up, and let's go get this win versus the Miami Dolphins. Please. Please. <laughs>